Hi everyone, thanks for listening to AWA and in this week's episode I'm joined by Saisha Mystery, who is currently working as a senior assistant merchandiser for ASOS. We actually go away like way back a few years now um, because we first met in Debenham's head office working as allocators so it's lovely to be able to catch up after so long. And um, working with Saisha, I can tell you that she's super good at what she does and she's also very passionate <laughs> and hardworking. So thank you, Saisha, for you know agreeing to talk to me today about what you do and the journey you've had so far. That's great. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. No, we were just actually like, for the listeners, we were literally just chatting about how time has just flown by um, and it just feels like yesterday, but it's been about, yeah, six years or so now that we, yeah, yeah when we were last working together. So gosh, I mean... I think we have so much to catch up on and everything that's happened in between. Um, perhaps we could start with like, you know, what you're doing at the moment. Yeah, of course. Um, so I, for the last six months, I joined in September um, with, at ASOS. Um, I'm a senior assistant merchandiser. Um, and it's been a huge, huge learning curve for me. Um, I think I really wanted to get online experience and ASOS is, you know, one of the mm. biggest companies uh in online retail and I thought it was a fantastic opportunity so I um nabbed it with both hands yeah <laughs> uh, back in September I joined um and I've been working on the women's wear outlet team oh, nice. um so I just want to give a shout out to my current team at the moment because I'm going to be uh, sending them the link to listen to this later um but yeah it's a really fantastic company to work for it's super fast-paced super hard-working I mean you know you really work hard when you work at ASOS um, but it's also really rewarding as well. Um, but yeah, in terms of my role, I'm basically an assistant merchandiser. So I'm working um, with the buyers mm-hmm. uh, to basically buy product uh, to sell on the website, essentially. Right. Um, and it's about making sales plans and making sure that you buy the right stock at the right time, seasonally appropriate time. Mm-hmm. Um in line with what customers are wanting and then you're looking at what the customers are buying into and whether you can repeat into that or is there any new trends that are up and coming that suppliers are giving you that there's stock deals coming that you can take that stock and sell it on site and then also managing the stock obviously coming into the business um, and making sure that it goes live on the website at the right time so essentially that's what I'm doing right now yeah I mean that's giving me some flashbacks um yeah Yeah, hearing you speak about it. And that's amazing. And just to touch on that, like, obviously, you said you work for women's wear, right? And um, is, you know, do you have like an allocated number of brands? Or is this just like ASOS brand? Yeah, no, so I'm working on the branded side. So not on ASOS design or ASOS, like what we call own bought, where the products are actually um, made like designed and bought like in-house almost Mm. so with merchandising you kind of have two separate ways so you've got own bought which is where you have a design team and a buying team and they're creating the garments themselves that they're actually designing the products they're going out to suppliers in Bangladesh or China or Turkey or wherever Mm -hmm. um, and working with those kind of factories to actually make the garment and design it themselves so that's what we call own bought and that's great and that's primarily been my experience back in my previous job at Debenhams Mm -hmm. Um, and that's you know you can really dictate how much you're going to buy and what you're going to buy and then you've also got the branded side so then the branded side is when you work for brands like Levi's or Nike or Adidas and you know the brands that you're not actually making the mm. stock yourself um 
and that's where I'm on. I'm so I'm on the branded outlet team. Um, so I've currently manage about seventy brands. So it's wow. quite a lot of brands. Um, <laughs> Gosh, so yeah. the brands that I work with, um, I like Levi's, and then you've got Calvin Klein, Tommy Hilfiger, Love Moschino, Karl Lagerfeld, um, Free People. So there's quite a lot of brands that I work with currently. They're just my kind of big key brands, and mm. essentially we're just um, where you buy the stock that they've got. And bring them into the business when you've um, when it's the right season yeah. to bring them in. So like coats and knitwear, you're bringing them in in like August, September, October, and then obviously your shorts and your vests and t-shirt, you're bringing them in to sell in for the summer. So it's that kind of stuff. So I'm kind of you're not exactly designing the product, but you're buying mm-hmm. the branded mm-hmm. side of the product. If that makes sense. So you've got kind of two aspects of merchandising: own, bought, or branded. Nice. Yeah. Um, how amazing to be able to work with you know all those different brands and I suppose yeah they're quite different as well aren't they so yeah they are different I think with with um supply with brands it's it's really it is very different my experience prior was always own bought Mm. but there's pros and cons to working an own bought or branded like with own bought yes you get to dictate the actual buys you make and you know the but then there's also issues with production delays and you know you've got to deal with suppliers and factories etc but with brands it's great because in a normal world pre-pandemic you'd go to their selection show like their offices to select the product and you kind of build that relationship but then at the same time especially those kind of big brands like Levi's and Calvin Klein Tommy Hilfiger it's almost like we need them more than they need us Mm. (laughs) it's very much like we're begging them for the stock and you know it's 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 it sometimes can be a bit difficult and it's all about relationships it's managing those relationships with um brands whether it's you know the branded side or the supplier side Mm -hmm. um it's all about relationships but there's frustrations on both ends and then there's pros on both ends so yes it is on the surface it sounds very glamorous (laughs) but um yeah, there's a lot of hard work that goes into maintaining those relationships. Yeah, and no, I absolutely understand that. Um, so obviously you have all these relationships with your, you know, brands and suppliers. And what about like your own team? Because I remember when we were working at Debenhams, we would be all- like, you know, as allocators, that was like the initial step. We would be working with the merchandising team, so the assistant merchandise and whatnot. So how, you know, how big is your team or like the team you work with? Yeah, so um, my team, so I'm the senior assistant match and then I report into a senior merchandiser mm-hmm. um, who is fantastic at his job. And um, then I have um, a buyer. So I work with a buyer and I've got, uh, she's got a senior assistant buyer beneath her. Right. Um, and then I've got two buying assistants. So um, they work under Laura, who's my buyer at the moment. So they're a team of four mm-hmm. in, on the buying side. Um, and I work directly with them. And then myself, I've got a senior merchandiser, myself. And then I've got, um, I should have two MAs, but currently I've got one MA at the moment, which is merchandising assistant. Mm-hmm. So all together, it's one, two, three seven of us at the moment <laughs> yeah I can see like well not see you but like you know I can feel you counting it in your head yeah um, yeah, yeah, that's, head counting. yeah that's amazing and I mean obviously we talked about the pros and cons and you slightly touched on you know how pandemic has affected things but like what do you love about you know just generally about what you do Oh, gosh. So I've always been a very analytical person, a very mm-hmm. mathematical and logical person, but I've also had a creative side to me. So at school, I used to definitely excel in like the maths and the sciences, but at the same time, I loved art and media and history and all that. 
And I think what I love about this job is that it kind of is a combination of both. It, yeah. I'm more to get, I mean, the job is very mathematical and very analytical. Um, and people might be thinking, oh, how is merchandising creative? But it is creative because especially when you work with buying teams and you work with products, you there's an element of fashion, obviously, mm. you and I work in fashion retail, um, but it's that kind of using maths. You can use maths to be creative because you have to. You have to be creative in this role to really excel in it. And, yeah. you know, you're, it's all about the unpredictability of, of how things are going to happen. And, you know, you make a plan and you're, you're constantly challenged and you're trading the business and you're making money. And I think that's the one key thing that I love to do is make money. And I don't mean that by my salary or my mm-hmm. job title. Mm-hmm. It's like I get a real buzz with when it's about making you know you come in on a Monday and you see what the sales have taken and you know you've beat your sales plan and you're like oh yes how much profit have I made right how much money did I take you know what were the key categories that really worked it's that kind of real buzz about making money Mm -hmm. um so that's what I really love I think it's that kind of using maths in a really creative way yeah um so you know kind of feeding that both analytical side of me as well as the creative and then also making money I think any like company would love to have you like you know with that like mindset of just growing the business and um yeah I mean even when I worked with you I remember you being so passionate you know and you loved what you do and the thing is like I was like oh my god I don't feel as passionate about this as you know you guys like I so I knew like obviously like for the listeners I did transition to a different field but I could see like how much you love doing it and you're so good at it obviously like and um I think yeah that's what I really like um respected you know just seeing you you know just do the work that you love doing um so yeah and I mean what what then would you say is like the aspect of your work that you find most challenging or like that you don't necessarily enjoy oh gosh um I think sometimes it's it sometimes it can be really frustrating where so as in merchandising and buying like you work together to buy the product that you're going to sell and you're responsible for that that's kind of your area of the business and you do it but then there's so many other roles in the business whether it be finance or logistics or whatever that can sometimes dictate to you what you can do with the stock that you Mm. can and sometimes that's a blessing but it's also quite frustrating because it feels like all the hard work that you do is kind of sometimes out of your hands yeah and it's you know you're being dictated to by various other roles in business or you know higher up of what you can and can't do even after you've planned it and it's it can sometimes yeah be frustrating because you can see the impact it's going to have on sales or or whatever mm-hmm. um so yeah I think that's a little bit challenging um and then sometimes just having to go through a lot of red tape and a lot of um jump through a lot of hoops yeah. just to get something very simple done and um, I found that a lot at Debit. <laughs> right. I'm not gonna lie um that was quite that that can also be frustrating and then just sometimes like the suppliers and the brands you know it is really fantastic to work with them and I've made such great relationships especially on um when I was working at Debenhams on the supplier front and the Bangladesh sourcing office I had fantastic relationships with my uh suppliers etc mm. but sometimes it can also be really frustrating because again it's you know when there's production delays and things that are completely out of your hands and there's nothing that you can do you sometimes feel like a passenger in a lot of situations and 
you know, you're you're responsible to plan the season and plan the sales and plan the stock that you're going to buy and when you bring it in. But then there's so many various factors that can affect that. And ultimately, that is the job that when things go wrong, sometimes it seems like everything goes wrong. And mm-hmm. that, I think, is the most challenging and frightening part, I'd say. Right. No, I absolutely understand that. Like, I remember just even things, you know, like clothing not coming out right. And then you'd have to delay the whole... Th- I don't know. I just remember things being out of your control and that being very frustrating so I can imagine especially in a senior position like obviously you have more responsibilities right so yeah yeah Yeah. and it's also where like people are expecting you to fix the problem and fixing problems that you never caused just so so annoying it's so annoying that's all I ever do sometimes I feel it's just fix problems that I never caused (laughs) it's it's part and parcel of the job I mean there's there's always going to be pros and cons and absolutely I guess that's what you get paid for (laughs) yeah yeah um so obviously you know we talked about starting as an allocator and I just wanted to talk to you about um like how you even thought about doing um or working in a you know merchandising field in a fashion industry like what sparked your interest okay so I think I so I probably should start with my degree so I actually did computer animation and special effects at university at Bournemouth University and it's completely different thing (laughs) I always wanted to go into animation ever since I watched Toy Story back when I was a little kid. And um, it's something that I wanted to do and, you know, I really enjoyed the course, etc. But I think I got to third year and I realised, oh, crap, I don't want to do this. Mm. And um, I decided after university to take a bit of a break. So I did for a year to kind of figure out what I wanted to do. And in the meantime, I was working um, just a a, a job. And... um, I realised how much I missed working in retail. So I'd worked when I was a student, like many of us do, I worked um, at a supermarket Mm. um, on the shop floor and I just kind of started thinking about, okay, what did I love about that job? And it was the people and it was like, do you know what? I really miss working in retail, but I knew that I didn't want to work on the shop floor, Mm. you know, whether it was in a supermarket or in fashion, whatever. I knew I didn't want to work on the shop floor and I wanted to see what goes on behind the scenes. Mm. So that's when I started researching about, what is what do you do in head office like and obviously I stumbled across buying and merchandising now buying was where I was kind of looking into primarily so I applied for the John Lewis buying graduate scheme back in gosh I think it must have been 2014 so going back a few years um and I got through to pretty much the final stage I think Mm -hmm. it was the final stage and they take on four people and I think I was ranked number six so I literally got picked to the post yeah um and this was obviously thousands and thousands of applicants so there were so many interview processes that you had to go through Mm -hmm. Um, and I never got onto the buying graduate scheme and I thought you know what I'm going to apply again the following year and I applied and I didn't get through I think they probably have a screening process Mm um and then I decided okay I you know what I need to do something like really if this is what I want to do I came I need to really look at look at doing this properly so I thought I'm going to do a course and see if that can help me get on the ladder so I actually did a course um it was a six-week postgraduate course um in buying and merchandising mm-hmm. um at the Fashion Retail Academy and that's actually based in London um and it's just uh, just off Tottenham Court Road actually school and it was for six weeks and right. um it just basically gave you an insight into buying and merchandising. And we basically had industry professionals come in and um, give us lectures. So we'd have one day with um, 
someone who was in marketing one day it took a couple of days with someone who was um used to be a head of merchandising before and now runs her own company and she came in and gave lectures and the same again for buying and the same again for design and it was within that course that I realized you know what I've been chasing after buying and it's not what I want to do like I am a merchandiser and this is what I want to do mm-hmm. and everything just some, somehow just clicked for me and it's through the fashion retail academy that I actually applied um to Debenhams and then got the role as an allocator right. from there and then that's how I got into the role it just kind of it happened and it seems like it happened when it started happening it felt like it snowballed mm-hmm. um but it was a bit of a long you know it did take me a year or two to kind of really figure out what yeah. I actually wanted to do so for those who um perhaps just finishing university or don't want to go to university or whatever like mm-hmm. if you don't know what you want to do taking that time out to really figure it out is never a bad thing yeah so yeah that's how I got into merchandising and got my first job as an allocator at Debenhams nice and where I met yeah. you and yeah for everyone who's listening Richard actually trained me so oh my god yes. about how fantastic I am it's because I had the best teacher <laughs> oh you're, you're so nice honestly no but like I feel like Saisha was doing great on her own honestly she did not need me at all I um, yeah I like the fact that you took the course as well even if it was a six weeks course because I feel like that really gave you an understanding of you 100%. know yeah yeah it put you put me on on the front foot a little bit because in merchandising whether you're going into a buying role and merchandising role it's a skilled job you can't just get in at that level it's you have to be an entry-level person and work Mm -hmm. your way up and you're on a level playing field with everyone but yeah I definitely think that course it fueled my passion and also put me on the front foot because I joined the company knowing what I wanted to do knowing what merchandising was Mm -hmm. and a lot of people who join companies at at that entry-level position don't have a clue and that's okay that was nothing wrong with that but I think that just kind of gave me that advantage over everyone else and I think from hearing my managers talk that they definitely saw that passion and I think that definitely helped her get me noticed and you know because I had that passion and that kind of fuel and fire to to drive my progression from the get-go yeah absolutely so then what would you say you know is like um, your future goal I mean you very I feel like you obviously want to be a merchandiser um what yeah. yeah what what is the future you know career path like for you it, for me um I want to be a director one day I think that's my mm. ceiling I don't want to ever be a CEO that's mm. not something that ever really appeals to me I want to be a director so for me I like to be I just want to be my boss's right hand mm. and definitely at Debenhams I felt like I was and mm-hmm. um, I've only been at Ace for six months so it's still you know taking time yeah. to kind of get there but of I course. think um, for me I want to be a director and I think that's my ceiling so the career path progression for me would be to get to junior merch which would be the next step and mm-hmm. uh, then it'll be merchandiser and then within merchandiser then you have you know your established merchandiser your senior merchandiser and then you become a head of merchandising and then you kind of become a director of merchandising so that's the kind of career path and I think obviously that's going to take quite a few years to get to it seems like oh that's only five steps but of course like <laughs> it doesn't take you don't get a promotion every year like there's exactly. definitely the higher up you go the more years you have to be in that role mm-hmm. and then also the competition is like heavier especially when you kind of get further up the role mm-hmm. it's a lot more you're working with people who obviously are really competent otherwise they wouldn't get that role and yeah 
those positions like head of merchandising director they're very very hard to come by like yeah you're usually have to be in the right place at the right time sometimes it's just about nepotism it's about who you know it's about net i think nepotism is the wrong word sorry networking i think um it's networking and who you know and if you've worked with someone before and they've moved companies and then they can you know recommend you for a role and like it's, mm. it's it's about networking and just being there at the right time and knowing the right people sometimes yeah. the further up you Absolutely. go um so yeah I think that's my goal but to be honest I I think it's I don't know whether it's the pandemic or anything it's made me realize that actually if I don't reach that goal in a certain number of time like a certain number of years like I don't think that's a bad thing whereas no. like before the pandemic I was like oh my god I want to be a director and I want to be a director by the time I'm 40 and actually it's like no you know what it will happen when it happens and mm. there's no rush to get there it will just just enjoy the process yeah and just learn and don't rush into things yeah so yeah that's what I'd say is my future goal nice yeah it's so true like I think we especially in our well I'd say like late 20s 30s like we feel like we have this destination to reach to before a certain age I don't know why I mean and yeah. we start comparing ourselves as well right to like others and yeah. it's just like everyone has their own timeline um and I feel it's sad that sometimes we forget to enjoy the process like you said 100% a very very good friend of mine uh, and a colleague as well Ellie she uh, said to me just very recently comparison is a thief of joy and mm. that is so true and um, I've definitely been my own work I'm I am my work, own worst critic and when I just turning 30 a couple of weeks ago I was like oh god I just didn't think I was going to be this at this role at this stage of my life I thought I would have progressed further than this and you know mm. there's obviously a number of factors that have um delayed my progression mm. or you know if it is it, I, I wouldn't say that it's delayed my progression I don't know it's hard to say but it's sometimes you have so many goals that you want to achieve in mm, masters mm. by this age I need to be this title but a title or whatever it doesn't really mean anything it's about what you're you know are you enjoying what you're doing yeah. are you you know working with a team that you love and I think yeah. sometimes it's it's about knowing that yeah taking the time to to progress at, at a slower pace isn't yeah. necessarily a bad thing and there's definitely people that have progressed really quickly but sometimes it's just that they're in the right place at the right time mm -hmm. and it was exactly. right for them and yeah. you know your story is a little bit different so yeah. yeah definitely comparison is a thief of joy and it's very very um, true so obviously talking about the pandemic the you know <laughs> the, the pandemic oh gosh I mean I can't imagine how it must have affected you because you know especially in the retail industry generally and uh, the jobs as well like people like getting furloughed mm -hmm. losing jobs and it was a hard time for everyone so what's I mean, what's been your story and um, oh, how, gosh. yeah, what, <laughs> like, I would love to hear about it because I still haven't heard about or caught up with you since. Yeah. So. so, obviously, it was this time last year, the pandemic was in full flow. We were mm. in a lockdown officially. So, essentially, what happened was we started working from home on the 13th of March. I remember this because my birthday is the 14th of March, right. right? And I was off that week and I thought the week prior to that, I was like, I'm going to take my laptop home because I don't yeah. know if we'll go back to the office or I don't know what's going to happen, but just in case, I'm going to take my laptop home with me the week before. And thank God I did because the company trialled everyone working from home on Friday the 13th of March just to test the systems okay. and no one went back to the office ever since then. Right. So 
what happened was I got a phone call from my head of merchandising at on the Monday, so it would have been this coming Monday. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember the date. It was like the thirtieth of March or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and he basically called me and he was just like, "Okay, so with this pandemic, we're basically going to have a skeleton team, and um, I am picking you as the assistant merchandiser that I'm keeping on. Okay. Um, and um, everyone else is going to get put on furlough, right. and then we'll transition them back as as and when we can so essentially at Debenham this was like when I was working at Debenham mm-hmm. so um at Debenham's we had five kind of divisions so you had um women's wear was one division um women's accessories and lingerie was another then you had home and gift and and yeah home and gift then you had children's wear and then you had men's wear and men's accessories and I worked on men's and, wear and men's accessories as you remember we both worked on there together mm-hmm. um and so my head of merch uh, had picked myself and then he picked one merchandiser and one buyer to remain. So I think there was about 300 people in merchandising mm. and I was one of 10 that got kept on Yeah, yeah wow. in the whole company. Um, so you had yeah one assistant merchandiser, one merchandiser and one buyer that got kept on for each of those divisions. So fortunately, I was the one that was kept on. Um and then everyone else was put on furlough. And basically, it went from literally having zero work to do because everything had been stopped and we'd mm. cancelled out of all the stock that we wanted to buy and stuff because we just didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. To then, okay, all of a sudden, we're now going to be setting up all these reports and doing this. And I just had my one department to do before, and now I had all the departments to do yeah. for men's, so men's accessories. And it we just went from, like, zero to hero in the space of, of yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, a day. Yeah. And um, I, it was, gosh, it was a lot of work. I can't even I, I can't even to, imagine. Oh my yeah, goodness. Yeah, it was a lot of work. I can't even begin to fathom it. It feels like a lifetime ago. But mm. essentially what happened a week or so into everyone being put on furlough, um, Debenhams actually brought administrators in. Yeah. And um, it was that kind of, oh crap, what's going to happen to the company? We just mm. don't know. And then in May, um, it was towards the end of May, they actually, everyone that was on furlough um, in buying merchandising that hadn't been kept on in the skeleton team, um, they actually got made redundant. And it was mm. very cutthroat. It yeah. happened um, on a Thursday or a Friday. I think their meeting was at 10 in the morning. And I was obviously Gosh. in WhatsApp groups with all my friends and ex-colleagues. Yeah. And um, they were just like, okay, here we go. And then my phone was just pinging off, like, oh, my God, what does this mean? Are we redundant? Are we this? Are we that? Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? I did not I did not expect that to happen. Mm-hmm. I, th- I mean, I knew there was going to be redundancies, but I did not expect there to be, you know, pretty much everyone. On that <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I was like, hang on, I can't do all this work by myself. Like, yeah. I was expecting people to come back. Yeah. Um. But no, like they just made let everyone go, and it was such a shock. And I felt, I remember, just in tears that day, yeah. just crying and crying for all my friends yeah. and colleagues I was working with. And I remember that weekend, I just felt like I was, I was like really grieving. I was, mm. I was really like in mourning for my my colleagues and my team, and it, it just felt like I'd lost my entire family. Mm. And honestly, it, it genuinely felt so horrible. Um. 
to lose everyone so quickly like that and then come Monday it just came with a fresh start and you know my head of merch Richard Vinoli he was so fantastic he's such a nice guy honestly the best Mm -hmm. best merchandiser best head of best manager ever and um, himself and Ross Neary who I worked with he was a senior match that was kept on we just came together with a plan of action and we just you know just did it because thankfully we had a job and we just had to to manage everything so Mm. you know we went to we were then given the go-ahead to then buy the stuff for autumn 20 so then we had to just scramble together and buy as much stock as we could and then there was a lot of administrative stuff so that was where my job kind of changed from kind of going into planning and trying to progress and grow back into an admin role where I was raising POs and doing all the administrative stuff to Mm. make sure that the systems matched and then liaising with suppliers to get that stock in um so yeah that it just completely just changed and it was Mm without going into too much detail about what exactly happened, it was very, very shocking, horrible time. But at the same time, it strengthened my skills so much as well, like communication skills is obviously so important, especially when you had such a little team um, prioritising. I mean, these are all the questions that you get asked, isn't it? How do you prioritise? Like, you know, you think, oh, I can make a to-do list, I can make this, but oh my God, prioritising when everything's a priority and Mm -hmm. you've got such limited resources, you know, it is crazy is and you know just perseverance and tenacity and I think mm-hmm. well that's one of the biggest things that it showed me was how tenacious I am I never yeah. realized actually I'm like a dog with a bone like if I got something to do I would just I won't rest until it's done yeah and you know it it's an advantage but it's also a disadvantage as well um but yeah it kind of really showed me that you have to be you just have to persevere and mm-hmm. sometimes situations are tough but you just have to crack on with it yeah. and I mean gosh yeah like, that was the fact that you're not just you know you, already you have this whole coronavirus happening and you're dealing with that like on the news you hear so many like sad upsetting things and then on top of that you have to deal with people getting furloughed okay not just that like you have this extra you know workload and then on top of that then you hear like people getting redundant that's like the family your team and like gosh that must have been like yeah. everything you know coming down on you at once definitely and, yeah definitely oh, yeah. i'm definitely burnt out 100 yeah. percent. like i think i've i'm feeling the effects now of mm. the burnout mm. from from that time it, it was it was it was really really hardcore but you know it's that frustration and anger as well that sets in like hang on a minute you've made everyone redundant but you've not realised that actually the workload that mm. you're asking of us and expecting us to do is just not sustainable. Yeah. You know, I was getting up at six in the morning and working till 10 at night with Gosh. no lunch break. Or if I was, I was just grabbing a packet of crisps just yeah. to, you know, carry on throughout the day. Like, it was just not sustainable. No. But you did it because, you know, they they picked the people that were conscientious and worked hard and would knew that they were going to work hard and mm-hmm. you, you didn't have a choice you didn't have a choice well mm-hmm. you can quit and have no job to go back to like yeah. have no other job or you know the market is so saturated yeah. that when jobs open is that like, competition is so stiff because so many people have been made redundant what was so heartbreaking as well was on linkedin you're seeing all these people and it wasn't just in head office it was obviously in stores where yeah. the stores didn't open again and people like say i worked at debenhams for 33 years i've worked here oh. for 15 years and it's like people have dedicated a lifetime to to this company and they just got made redundant because of the coronavirus yeah. and so cutthroat and it really makes you realize that actually you know you are just a number at the end of the day 
in a video as sad as that is it was quite shocking because I was always like no if you work hard and you're loyal then your company will be loyal to you and actually I mean this is obviously an extreme case but it really makes you realize that at the end of the day you are just a number and you have to you have to remember that you have to remember that when you're putting all, the, all that hard work into a company actually sometimes you've got to think you are just a number and it's not it's it's not life and death we're not mm. saving lives mm. and that's what a lot of people mm. say and a senior buyer um that I worked with Andrew Price he would always say to me it's just landfill all of this is just landfill. oh wow actually close just, yeah. just buying landfill and when you say it like that it really puts it into perspective because sometimes you can get definitely bogged down in the mm. whole oh my god I've got so much to do my to-do list is so massive that like, mm. it, and it's stressing you out and senior management are stressing you out because they want what they want when mm. they want it and things are out your control and you you're putting all that pressure on yourself to fix it and mm. ultimately you need to take that step back and think okay actually yeah you are this is yeah. just clothes we're not surgeons we're not saving lives yeah but um so yeah that's how the pandemic massively affected mm. uh me but in terms of the retail industry just speaking obviously to my colleagues at ASOS and how they dealt with it obviously ASOS had a massive boom where um people were buying obviously online because you couldn't go into shops so companies like ASOS and Boohoo etc they definitely benefited from from the pandemic where they already had the systems in place to manage massive yeah um online orders and the logistical side of getting those the orders sent off to those to the um to the customers whereas that companies like Debenhams and um, what we saw is that we just couldn't keep up with the demand because mm. we never had that yeah process yeah. in place in the warehouse to actually fulfill that many online orders yeah um and um you know it'd be it'd be it was really interesting to see the sales and the different product types so obviously you can imagine like formal wear and formal shirts and you know trousers and stuff that all sales really tanked on that yeah. um but then loungewear and underwear and all yeah. those kind of casual comfy bottoms the sales were just booming and we just ran out of stock and yeah. it was just yeah. it completely like, completely crazy just to mm. see this kind of sales pattern and the because you couldn't have predicted that into. right like there's no way you could have forecasted for yeah. this to happen and then yeah manage it accordingly yeah, yeah yeah but then it was like scrambling for stock like to any supplier who's willing to work with us like have you got enough of this because we need yeah. to buy and we were just buying anything and everything we could just to kind of feed that demand and then keep our sales up but yeah. yeah it was it was really crazy to see that sales pattern very crazy but it's um and because it, it was so unprecedented no one yes, knew no exactly. you couldn't plan because you couldn't look at history and a large part of our job is looking at what happened mm-hmm. in the past and using that kind of analysis to then feed into what you're going to buy for the future but exactly. because this was so unprecedented customer behavior has completely changed what do you buy and when do you like yeah. and how do you buy it and yeah. who do you buy it from because all these suppliers and brands and that completely shut down as well so yeah. you're just basically just in limbo it was yeah. very very weird but uh kind of a fantastic opportunity to have been a part of as well as yeah. negative as i've just probably made it sound i was kept on obviously to be able to you know have a salary and pay yeah. my mortgage but to to just have that experience is something that no one will ever take away from me and Absolutely. when and you've been through something like that everything else that happens just kind of it doesn't seem as big of a deal you know? that's what I was gonna say I feel like it's probably made you stronger and like you know you personally you probably had that personal and professional growth from it that you probably 100%. wouldn't have yeah otherwise wow amazing definitely yeah um but yeah, with the pandemic, I would say I when 
job started opening i mean asos was one company that was um hiring i didn't apply straight away because i felt really disloyal and uh, oh, yeah to that start is looking for one a job. thing that i think people generally feel guilty about right yeah like, yeah. yeah definitely um, I didn't want to, because obviously I was handpicked and all that crap, and it was like, oh God, Rich, like I don't want to, I don't, I just felt really bad. I felt yeah. really guilty for, uh, for one, for even looking to leave. But I applied to the Aces job, and I applied to a different company, Tom Dixon, as well, and I got both of them. And it was um, about just deciding which one mm. I wanted to go for. And I obviously I picked Asos, but having to tell my head off that I was leaving um, oh, was gosh. a very, very horrible conversation it was yeah. tears and everything from Aww. my side from the inside I remember him telling me to calm down I was like oh calm down I just I feel so bad but ultimately you have to do what you you need to do for mm. yourself mm-hmm. um so yeah I I ended up um leaving uh in September at Debenhams and started at ASOS and then mm-hmm. obviously in December Debenhams um kind of collapsed and yeah. everyone was made redundant but now Boohoo have picked them up so I know yeah. that um, my head of match Rich is working there and a few of the ex-Debenham colleagues are working there at Boohoo Debenham so that's fantastic to see that you know and um, some of them have secured jobs yeah um but yeah that was my kind of pandemic story you know, like oh. it, all the advice that you've given throughout this talk has been amazing um so what would you say you know like how would you round up the advice for people who do want to go into merchandising but not just that because I feel like merchandising in a fashion industry is something else as well so just the overall kind of advice you would give for people who are not just looking to be uh, or going to merchandising but also in the like fast-paced industry um I think if you're an analytical and logical person then yeah merchandising is definitely something that you should look at um I'm not gonna say it's very glamorous so if you're into fashion and you want to you know, oh, you think it's going to be catwalk shows and this and that, you know, it's not. Mm, <laughs> Let me mm, burst that problem yeah. right now. It's not whether you're going in, in, into buying or merchandising. It's not all that. It can be, but it's it's not, that's not a part, large part of your job. Um, I think, to be honest, with loads of allocators or MAs that I've worked with never have had a fashion related background or you don't need a fashion degree you don't need a business degree to do the job that I'm doing I mean I did computer animation and special effects I never did anything fashion related um so it's it's if you've done degree in music or geography or history or anything really random or even like a medical degree Mm. you can do this job there's nothing there's nothing stopping you and as a entry level position it is a lot of admin I mean you know yourself Rachel when you did the job it is a lot of admin and it's about knowing the systems and people can train and teach you so um I don't think the job is excluding anyone in Mm. that sense so if you don't know what you want to do then it's, it's definitely something that you don't need to have prior um I suppose degree in or anything like yeah 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 Yeah. and even the fashion retail academy course that I did like looking back now I think I could have probably done this I definitely could have done this job without Mm -hmm. without that course I mean it gave me that passion and that kind of step up but it didn't it didn't add so much to the job that I'm doing now you know I don't look back and think oh that was the be all and end all of, of my career um so yeah I would the first advice is if you have a random degree you don't know what you're doing you kind of like the idea of 
working in head office fashion and in fashion then yeah definitely apply because there's it's it's just about your your skill set of your communication your prioritizing if you're a bit logical if you are logical analytical then fantastic you know mm. if you like um problem solving and all that kind of stuff those kind of like transferable skills or soft skills are really key in this job but a lot of it is you it's just learning on the job so yeah. you don't need to have prior knowledge of it um and i think the best thing about this job in this industry is the people 100 percent is the people i just feel like i mean i've been at asos six months and the team that i'm working with is got to be one of the best teams i've ever worked with and oh. you know it's genuinely is the people that you meet and you work with so many different people so many different characters and and it's it's definitely the people that make this industry 100 percent. and i think um having that communication and that relationship building uh those kind of skills yeah. are going to really make you thrive in this industry 100 percent moving um but yes, like you mentioned about the fast-paced nature. Mm-hmm. So at Debenhams, it was very, I wouldn't say it was very slow, but things, they kind of, they kind of carried on, like, you know, it was a bit like a, it, it just, it, the day-to-day job, yeah. like, you couldn't make decisions, mm-hmm. think, things that you made decisions on, they, things didn't happen overnight, whereas like at ASOS, oh my God, you can make a decision and, you know, things can change literally right. within a day or within two days it's a hundred percent so much fast paced but i think it's the nature of the different business model yeah i guess yeah, yeah. oh wow um, but yeah it's it is a crazy industry to be in but it's really rewarding as well and i think like i say it's the people a hundred percent the people make the job yeah definitely and i agree with that i feel like you're obviously spending day to day with these people and <laughs> you have to like be able to yeah you know enjoy the people you're around and be able to get on so no that's uh, that's good advice all right well i feel like we've covered so much there you know from talking about what you do to all your stories um of what happened during the pandemic crazy as it was like i think looking back it can be quite like oh wow like i actually went through all of that you know um it's quite a journey there and um thank you so much for like joining me today and it's been great to have you share your journey and your story and i'm sure people who are listening interested um in you know merchandising or even buying um have taken a lot from this and i feel like you've given a very realistic view of what it's like um to work rather than that polished like you know um version of what people may think it is working in i don't know merchandising and buying thank you thank you for having me